Good morning, good morning, good morning. Go ahead and turn in your copy of Scripture uh, to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. It is a wonderful time for uh, preaching uh, because much of what we preach at this season is already planned. I mean, it has been planned for a long, long time, a couple of thousand years. And so it's always a joy to preach uh, familiar passages, uh, but in a fresh way, allow the Spirit of God to speak to our heart at, 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 in the context of where we're living right now, each one of us individually and as a church, uh, to hear from God, from His Word, as He speaks to us today. Luke chapter 1. While you're turning there, perhaps you already got there, let me tell you about our praying. As, as a church, we pray together, and we pray corporately for one thing for one minute at one o'clock every day. And if you have not yet joined us on that journey of prayer, go ahead and begin uh, and uh, go ahead and put the reminders on your hand, on your feet, uh, in your phone, on note cards to remind you to pray this week at one o'clock for one minute. Now, what I want us to pray for this week is Christmas. Uh, Christmas at, uh, at first was a wonderful uh, opportunity for us to begin praying and inviting people uh, to gather with us, to hear the good news of God's great love brought to us at Christmas. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we're having our Christmas Eve gatherings. And there are individuals that you know, people who with whom you work and play, people in your community, in your neighborhood, family members, and they are waiting for you to invite them to a Christmas Eve gathering. Uh, We are going to have Christmas Eve at 3 o'clock at our Volvo location, at 5 o'clock here uh, at our Kempsville location, and again at 7 o'clock at our Volvo location. Uh, And we will have a focused emphasis on our children at 3 o'clock at Volvo and at 5 o'clock here, uh, but also we will sing songs of praise as we set our gaze upon the King of glory who has come at Christmas. Uh, so invite your neighbors and friends uh, and pray for them this week uh, as they prepare for Christmas, as they come to Christmas Eve gathering, as they open presents Christmas morning, and as they meditate and get over Christmas over the days to follow, pray that Jesus would speak to their hearts this week, to your heart, to my heart this week, so that we might experience the full flavor of what Christmas is all about. And guys, it's more than just opening presents. It's about the one who has given to us that we might have joy. Enjoy, that really is the theme that we're looking at today. We've been looking at uh, the ancient cries for uh, rescue and for peace and for hope. Today, we're looking at the ancient cry for joy. Joy is something that marks this season. You and I both know that. Uh, You walk around, you hear the songs of joy. There are movies that are out about the antithesis of joy, the Grinch, and how his antithesis of joy is overcome by the spirit of Christmas. Joy, 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 joy. And then you have this. 
Yes, joy of Christmas, except for tangled Christmas lights. I don't know about you, but these are distressing things to me. Tangled Christmas lights. So much so, if you remember several years ago, my, I shared with you how that my wife and I got over the despair of a tangled Christmas light. We throw away the tree and the lights and everything at the end of the year. And we start off brand new. It's a good approach, let me just say. My wife had to actually search to find tangled Christmas lights. Now, when you think of Christmas, you think of joy, certainly, but we also know that tangled lights get in the way sometimes of our joy. We know that Christmas is more than tangled lights, but these things can steal our joy quicker than almost anything else, at least for me, maybe not for you. Tangled lights are a distraction to joy, at the very least. But more than tangled lights are tangled circumstances that we face. Things that wrap us up in despair and anxiety. These tangled lights are merely a picture of something more profound and deeper that is messed up, that is not quite right. Things in my life that are disconnected from the way I think they should be. Relationships, finances, health. All of these things can create tangled messes in our lives. But joy is so much more than the absence of tangled lights or tangled circumstances in our lives. Joy, the kind of joy that we desperately need, the kind of joy that we are promised by God at Christmas is more profound than just not having to deal with this. See, the joy that Christmas offers, the great joy to the world that we sing about, is a settled strength. It is a constant contentment. It is... A sustaining celebration even in the face of tangled lights and tangled circumstances in our lives. The kind of joy that we long to know is a joy that is moving us beyond the messes and in fact is celebration and contentment and strength even when the messes are happening. And that's the kind of joy that Christmas offers, but it's also the kind of joy that so many of us are lacking. I think that's one of the reasons why we hear the Christmas story told in Luke's gospel to a young lady who was probably 12 or 13 years old. Think about that. Not someone who was in her 30s, not someone who was in her 40s, not even someone who was in her 20s, but someone who was in her teens, just barely. 
The Christmas story is unveiled to her, and for many of us, if not all of us, the news that was reported to young Mary in Luke chapter 1 would certainly have caused us a lack of joy. As you look in Luke chapter 1, we begin to discover that even though the angel comes to Mary and says, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Mary is overwhelmed with trouble. Really confusion, the the real meaning of that word troubled, she was troubled at his saying, the real meaning of that word is it paints the picture of someone who wants to run and hide. When the angel appeared to Mary in Luke chapter 1, and he said, rejoice, highly favored one, she was confused and troubled by his saying. And still, she rejoiced. What preceded Mary's celebration of joy was confusion and trouble. What would follow her celebration of joy was sorrow and pain. She would have to tell Joseph she's going to have a baby, and Joseph isn't the daddy, but God is. She's going to have to carry the shame of pregnancy outside of her betrothal and blame it on God. And the confusion that that was going to create, not only Joseph, but Mary, not only Mary and Joseph, but their family, not only Mary, Joseph, and their family, but the entire community of Nazareth, it is going to create great sorrow and pain. And yet Mary found joy. I want you to look in Luke chapter 1. Look in verse 46. I I want you to understand the context of Mary breaking out in joy. What went before this song of celebration and joy was pain and confusion. What followed was going to be sorrow and trouble. And yet, in verse 46, Mary declares, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. As we look today at the ancient cry for joy, we understand Mary had pains and sorrows more than she could even begin to imagine. She knew what people were going to say, what her best friends were going to gossip. She knew the kind of difficulty she was about to face. You realize I'm talking in code a little bit, right? You know that, okay? Uh, But Mary was about to be shamed. She didn't know how Joseph was going to respond. She didn't know if he was going to break off their engagement whether he was going to stick with her or leave her alone. And still, in the tangled mess of those circumstances, Mary declared, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. 
I don't know what kind of tangled lives you're living. I, I get a glimpse of that as I pray over the request that you send in each week on the back of those blue cards. I encourage you to continue to do that. It's one of my great joys to pray for you uh, as you let your requests be made known. It is my privilege to pray individually for each request. So take that blue card and write your prayer request on it and put it in the offering boxes as you leave, and I will pray for you this week. As I look at those prayer requests, I, I see and sense some of the difficulty, the tangled lives and circumstances that you face. And isn't it true that the Christmas season somehow plants a megaphone on our lives? You think about it. If things in our life, circumstances are good, Christmas amplifies that good and makes it great. Everything that is good takes on an exclamation point at Christmas. And so we can celebrate with a little bit more celebration. We love with a little bit deeper, more profound love. We rejoice with a little bit more pep in our step and jig in our move. Christmas does amplify the good that we face. But isn't it also true that Christmas puts a megaphone to what's not so good in our lives? Fractured relationships are only made worse and more profound at Christmas. Finances. If they're bad in November, they're worse in December. Health. You wish that cancer hadn't come December 15th. Death. There are going to be a lot of empty places at Christmas dinner this year. And the loss becomes more profound. Yeah, that's tangled circumstances and difficulties that we have to face. And yet joy, the kind of joy that Christmas really offers, more than the good feelings of the season, the kind of joy that Christmas offers is a settled strength. It is a constant contentment. It is a sustained celebration even when the megaphone of the season is planted on the tangled circumstances of our lives. What we learn today is that Christmas truly is God's answer to our ancient prayer for joy. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. As the angel appeared to Mary, he said, rejoice. Don't you hate it when the angels do that? I mean, really, you think about it. We'll hear this tomorrow at Christmas Eve. Now, the angel appeared to the shepherds and said, don't be afraid. What? Really? Rejoice. Rejoice. Don't be afraid. 
The angels told the shepherds, for we bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. The angel told Mary, rejoice, highly favored one, for the Lord is with you. There was a call to rejoice, even though the following instructions were going to create great drama and trauma, even in some view, uh, a tragedy in Mary's young life. The call to joy remained, and that's, that's what Christmas does for us. It is a call to joy. It's a call for us to rejoice, not, not rejoice the way um, many rejoice, not rejoice just by masking over our pain, and not rejoice by merely uh, ignoring the tangle for a time. No, the rejoicing that we have here at Christmas, the kind of joy that God calls us to, is a joy that is made possible by Him fulfilling a promise. And that's exactly what God has done when the angel began to describe to Mary the coming of Jesus. I I want you to hear exactly who he's talking about. Verse 28 of chapter 1, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Mary saw the angel. She was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he'll be great. And he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. The promise of joy that we find in this passage is the promise of the Messiah. And as the angel began to unfold to Mary exactly what the manner of his greeting was, she began to understand that the one that her neighbors and friends had prayed for, the one that she in her Sunday school class had learned about, the one that her parents had looked forward to, The Messiah was about to be born, and she was the mother of that Messiah. This is God's ancient promise to his people and to us. That this divine ruler, this son of man who was not man's son, this son of God who is great, And son of the Most High, this one born in a miraculous way, without an earthly father, but with a heavenly father, Jesus, the Deliverer, has come. The Messiah would come in a miraculous way so that he might do the great and miraculous things that only the Son of God can do. He is Jesus, the Deliverer. I love that picture, and I love that title. If you look, the angel said, don't be afraid, for you're going to conceive, bring forth the son, 
and you're going to call his name Jesus. You might write to the margin there, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, because really that's almost a direct quotation of Isaiah 7, 14. The only difference is, instead of Emmanuel, is Jesus. Here we have Emmanuel, God with us, who has come, born of Mary, born to bring God to us. I love the picture of the Lord coming down to us. See, our, our problem and what really steals the majority of our joy is that we've created a mess that we can't fix. I, I, I throw away Christmas lights because even though I might be able to fix it, chances are I won't. Usually my patience runs shorter than the time it would take to untangle the mess And I'll break out a pocket knife and begin to cut the mess away. In your life and mine, we face tangles that are far more powerful than we. We can't fix it. How do you fix cancer? How do you restore life after death has come? You look at your relationship, maybe your marriage, and you think, I don't know how to fix this. And in the face of all the unfixable things that come our way, we can have a settled strength, a constant contentment, and yes, a sustained celebration because God has sent Jesus to us. God has come to us to fix what we can't. And this is the good news that we celebrate today that Jesus the Deliverer has come and He is the Son of the Most High. He is great and powerful and mighty. This is the promise of joy. But it still doesn't get Mary around the pain that that joy was going to bring. The the problems that that joy was going to introduce into her life. So she began to think about it. Mary understood the meaning of what the angel was saying and the the significance of the struggle that she would face. She she understood the the drama of, of her life and the trauma, the tangled mess of her circumstances with this pregnancy. But she began to think. The Messiah was coming. She began to think the the God who has loved me is, is the one who has chosen me for this task. She began to think. And as she thought, she could say, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You see... Christmas is God's answer to our ancient prayer for joy because Christmas, at Christmas, God enlarges our heart to embrace joy. My soul magnifies. Now, I want you to just key in there at verse uh, uh, chapter 1 and, and verse 46. It says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Magnify is a term that literally means to enlarge. Here it's used in a way that that says, I'm going to 
highly exalt. I'm going to esteem greatly. I'm going to extol. I'm going to praise. But, but what causes Mary to, to break out in such a joyous celebration is because God had already enlarged her heart so that the joy of the promise of the Messiah could be fully felt and realized in her. And and can I suggest that maybe as we face the tangled circumstances of our life that, that God really is working to enlarge your heart and mind to receive the joy that gives us strength and contentment and celebration even when the lights are tangled. For Mary, there were three streams that trickled together to make a river of joy. And I love that picture because uh, really, as someone who goes to the mountains and fishes, uh, here's what I know. A trickle meets another trickle and it becomes a larger trickle. And then those two trickles that had joined together joins a third trickle and becomes an even larger trickle. Pretty soon, these larger trickles, one, two, and three, and four of them, meet together as they make their way down the mountain, and they uh, create a little stream. And and eventually, uh, these small streams join together and create a river. And, And eventually, you have a river like the Mississippi, or the Elizabeth, or the James all created by tiny trickles that join together and make something larger. For Mary, there were three trickles that joined together to create and enlarge her heart to receive the joy, to step into the flow of joy that God promised. We see these described in in her Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, 48. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. 48. Do you know one of the streams that enlarges our joy is understanding that God is concerned about me. God is concerned about you. This wondrous God regarded, set his mind on Mary. A young 12 or 13-year-old teenager, he set his mind on Mary to bless her, to pour his favor out upon her. It reminds me of Christmas gifting. In my family, we use an app called Giftster. And on this app called Giftster, each family member joins this Christmas list group And each family member lists the different presents that they want for Christmas. It's a wonderful thing. It's a a very special tool for a uh, dumb-as-mud man like myself who needs all the help he can get when it comes to Christmas time, picking out presents for five women. The son-in-law is easy.
When we make our Christmas lists for our family, not the ones that they make for us to see, but the ones that we make for them, the the consideration that it takes, the thought, the heart that it takes as we try to find that perfect gift for the one we love. It's that kind of, of consideration that God has for you and for me. Whatever the tangled mess in your life, what Mary says is that he has regarded the lowly state of this maidservant. God is considering your situation. Of course, his answer is Jesus. I don't want to short sell this. I don't want to make this some sort of self-help kind of idea. The answer to our quest for joy is Jesus. He is the deliverer. In fact, Mary says, my soul, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And just a few verses uh, before that, the angel said that you're going to call his name Jesus. Both mean deliverer. Here's the good news, and here's what God has done for us. And God looks at you in the plight and the tangled mess of your everyday life, and he has sent Jesus to your rescue Jesus, who ultimately and personally uh, determined to die for sinners like you and me, to rescue us from the shame and the pain of our sin. God become flesh and dwelt among us so that we might, through faith in Jesus, find forgiveness and new life. Guys, there's a reason to rejoice today, and it's a settled strength for everyday life. It's that I'm not separated from God any longer, but now I live in intimacy with Him because Jesus has rescued me. One of the streams that should enlarge our heart to embrace joy is that God is concerned about me, about us. It's not just for Mary. If you go down in verses 51, 52, and 53 of the Magnificat, you see that Mary sees even beyond herself. He says, he feeds the hungry. He lifts up the lowly. This is the work of the Messiah. He has come to set the world right. He's concerned for us. That's why the angel said, we bring you good tidings of great joy to the shepherds which will be for all people. God is thoughtful, concerned and considerate for where you are. The second stream that that enlarges our heart to embrace joy is God's power to match his concern. You look in verse 49, he says, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Christmas is the showcase of God's greatness, for only God's greatness could make the great one, Jesus, the Son of the Highest, born in an immaculate way, born in a supernatural way, without a human father with the Holy Spirit making it possible Here is the unique power of the living God displayed for the human world to see. That God has become flesh. He is mighty and he is great. Jesus is 
the display case of God's greatness in our world. For Jesus is the great one who is the son of the highest. And that means that he is persistently pressing us every single day toward victory. We might not understand it all, but we can certainly celebrate with joy that God is moving me with great power toward the victory that he has purposed and planned for my life. Mary could see beyond her pain and saw the power of God at work in her life. Maybe that's a perspective that you and I need today in the midst of tangled Christmas lights. We need to see the power of God to confront a diseased body, a diseased marriage, a diseased bank account, and lift us up from the misery and the muck of that, of that despair and give us hope and life. It is God's concern for us, matched by God's power, but then matched again, the third stream, is God's mercy or his love. You look at verse 50, and And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Jesus is our joy because he is our Savior. He's the one who rescues us. He is our joy because he's the son of the highest. He is the one who brings the power of God to bear in the details of our life. And Jesus is our joy because he is the perfect ruler who leads us forward immersed in God's great love. When Mary was singing her song of praise and celebration of joy to the Lord, she said that he is merciful. That term for mercy points back to the Old Testament term Hesed, which means the, the, the heart-shaping, soul-satisfying, faithful love of God. My children know that I love them. I'm an imperfect dad, to say the least, but my children know that I love them. And they know that they have a problem, they can call me. And I might not be able to fix it, but I guarantee you I'm going to listen and I'm going to sympathize and I'm going to do everything I can. If I can't fix it, I'm going to find somebody who can because that's what loving fathers do. And they step into the flow of my love for them. And they trust it and they depend on it and they are satisfied by it. How much more should we be as those who have been rescued by God's grace We have been given an opportunity to step in the flow of God's amazing, perfecting, perfect love. Oh, God loves you. Jesus shows us how much. Today, we need our hearts enlarged to embrace the joy that is a settled strength and a constant contentment and a sustained sustained celebration even in the face of a tangled mess. How do we step into that flow? Jesus is the answer, and let me be very clear. If you don't have Jesus, you're not going to have joy. But if you have Jesus, then you have all the joy you need in every circumstance of life. But how do we 
magnify that joy? How do we step into the flow of that enlarged stream and river of joy that God makes available to us? Well, I think that we get some idea here in this passage and in other passages, and I just want to give you three simple application points. Can I also begin by saying, you know, joy, joy is found on the other side of that difficult decision that we must make to trust God more than we trust ourselves. Now, I want you to hear that because this is important, especially as we try to unwrap joy and, and taste joy. Joy is found on the other side of that decision we must make to trust God more than we trust ourselves. So if we're ready to make that decision, then, then what do we do to take hold of the decision? Well, first, remember. Remember that the Lord is with you and nothing is impossible with Him. Remember. When you face the tangled lights of your life, don't get hysterical, get historical. Remember, this is the God who has loved me enough to send Jesus to die on a cross for my sin, to pave the way for me to have friendship with God, to be part of God's family. This is the, this is the, the, the Jesus who loves me and is strong for me. Nothing is impossible with him. Rejoice, highly favored ones. The Lord is with you. Remember. The second thing I would say is focus. Focus. You know what I mean by focus? Well, you begin to look at your life and the circumstances of your life, even the tangled lights of your life. You look at your life through the lens of God's great love. And you see, Mary sees what God will do. What we don't see in the, in the English translation of the Magnificat is that each one of the verbs in Mary's song is uh, talking about something that is going to happen. But the verbs themselves are in the past tense. So if you were to read it in the Greek, it would say, My soul magnified the Lord. My spirit rejoiced in God my Savior. He's regarded the, the lowly state of his maidservant. Behold, henceforth in all generations called me blessed. He who is mighty uh, has done great things. Holy is his name. His mercy was on those who fear him from generation to generation. He showed strength with his arm. He scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He put down the mighty. He exalted the lowly. He filled the hungry. The rich he sent away empty. He has helped those uh, who fear him. This is a picture of what will happen, but from Mary's point of view, it's already happened. She was living each moment through the lens of God's love, knowing that God was going to work in love on her behalf and on behalf of you and me. I know you may be struggling today. 
but focus in on the promise that God has made. Focus in on the joy that He delivers. And Jesus said in John chapter 15, He said, hey, listen, if you will do what I say, you will abide in my love. And then in John 15, 11, he says, I'm telling you this so that my joy might be with you and your joy might be full. There's a correlation between focusing in on what God has promised and living a life of joy. God in his love, is going to fulfill his promises, and we can count on him. Remember, focus. And the last one is probably the most practical. Sing. That's right, S-I-N-G, sing. When we look at the tangled mess of our life, we need to cover every tangle with praise and thanksgiving to God. There's something that begins to happen. As we see Mary doing here, she begins to speak her joy. Maybe that's something that we must do. Speak our joy. This is kind of what I think Paul was getting at in Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Beginning in verse 6, he continues. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, set your mind on these things. Sing. Sing the song of celebration just as Mary did. We do enlarge our heart to embrace joy. We step into the flow of the stream of joy that Jesus delivers when we celebrate the great goodness of our living God and we cover every moment, even the tangled circumstances of our life, with praise to the God who has sent Jesus to set us free. Joy is a settled strength a constant contentment and a sustained celebration in the face of every circumstance and even in the face of a tangled life and tangled lights. God enlarges our hearts to joy. Jesus has come. 
to pour joy into the depths of your soul. God is concerned about you right where you are. Turn to him and trust him. Choose joy today. God loves you with a great love. Sink your concerns, your struggles, your anxieties into the soil of his mercy and see his great power at work even in the difficulties you face. Christmas is God's answer to our ancient cry for joy. Would you bow your heads, please? These next few moments, I just want to invite you to talk to the Lord about any tangles you have in your life. To talk to the Lord about your struggles, your confusion, your heartache, your pain. Talk to the Lord about the promise that He makes to give you Jesus so that you might have joy. Maybe you just need to take this moment and detailed the tangles of your life. Bring them before the God who is able and mighty to give you joy in the face of difficult circumstance. In these next few moments, maybe you just need to sing Alleluia to Christ the Savior who has come. Sing and celebrate and say, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Oh God, in these moments as we worship you, would you sink joy into our hearts that we might celebrate your good provision, your great rescue to us through Jesus, our King, in whose name we pray.